All right, hello everyone. Uh, this is the next episode on the Babe Conference where we talked about keynote speakers and they were telling me about what they were going to present on. Um, so I hope you all enjoyed the last one as well. Um, I did have, before we get into the next one, I did have one piece uh, that I wanted to maybe retract, quote unquote. I found out that perhaps, and I still need to get clarification on this, and I want to continue the conversation, but in the last episode, it was said that Minnesota um, was the oldest, or they thought they were the oldest um, APE leadership council, and I heard that that might not be the case. I heard California might be a little bit older. So if you're out there and you have some proof, uh, one way or the other, I would like to solve that dispute. But right now, I just want to open that question up because I don't know. Uh, so with that, I have two uh, presenters that were at the DAPE conference to kind of show you a fuller view of some of the great things that are going on at some APE conferences statewide. So the first one's Laura Brickhouse. Uh, we talked about what she was going to present on, which was on transition uh, leader and leadership. And then she kind of also talked about some equipment stuff that she was doing. And then I have Dr. Susanna Dillon. So um, I'm going to pause it at the Laura Brickhouse one. And then we'll talk briefly uh, before we go into Dr. Dillon's. All right. Enjoy. Laura, I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself, some of your experiences, what brought you into the field. Okay. Um, I started teaching adapted PE eight years ago. Um, I started in a smaller county, a little bit um, in more in eastern North Carolina, and um, kind of started from scratch. There was no adapted PE program there at all. Um, so I feel like I lucked out, really, and got the position um, and just started building an adapted PE program there. Um and just recently moved um, back more to the central part of North Carolina in Durham. And I've been in with Durham Public Schools for, this is my third year now. So within that time, I've been teaching adapted PE, um, got my master's, got certified. Um, I'm on the North Carolina Adapted PE Advisory Council. Um, so lots of good stuff. Just staying really busy, living in the world of adapted PE and, and loving every minute of it. Before we go on to these other about the DAPE stuff, I got two questions. I just sometimes okay. I do this. I get off topic, but I think it's okay. Yeah. So one, what some of the things you just said. So you started a program at your school, basically? In the county. Did they hire you with that intention or did you make that? And Did you, they had that intention? They did. Um, the exceptional children's director was actually one that was really in tune to everything, <clears throat> knew that adaptive PE needed to happen in that county, um, had some funds set aside to start the program completely. Um, and so that they had that in mind. And like I said, I really kind of feel like I lucked out and kind of just fell into the position and, and was able to kind of hit the ground running and ended up hiring two other adapted PE specialists for the county. And um, we started serving 32 schools and over 300 students within a couple of years. But. And one other thing, and maybe maybe I'll need to get you on this, this podcast one more time at a, at a different time to talk a little bit more about some of these things. 
Uh, talk about that AP advisory position you're in. So, because is that through your um, your your AFERD or your shape? It, it, it isn't actually. Um, it is through the Department of Public Instruction. So it's through our kind of central department for public instruction throughout North Carolina. Um, and it started, um, gosh, seven or eight years ago, actually. Um, and there are 13 or 14 members all from all across North Carolina. Um, some have been teaching for 20, 25, 30 years. Um, some are at the university level as professors. So we kind of are, are a general mix. Um, and we work to get, you know, work with uh, like getting legislation passed and write, writing these guidance documents, um, working on like an, an EC director starter packet, you know, so if they did want to start a program, how, so, we, so that's something that we're actually working on as well. And so we're kind of just this guiding, um, organization, this volunteer organization for anyone that needs assistance in adapted PE for North Carolina. I really, really, that, I don't know if that's happening in other places. There are, that, that, there are some. There are some, there but not is, very many. Yeah. There, there is, but then it's all in kind of different capacities. We're we're yep. we're starting to form all these things and let's talk about the let's talk about now that um the date presentations that you'll be doing in a little bit less than a month now. Yeah, it is a little bit less than a month. Um, I'm going to be presenting. I have three presentations. I'm going to do. Um, and when I emailed DAPE, I, I asked, you know, what, what do you need? I mean, I'm not going to go in with this one signature presentation. So I asked, you know, what they needed and, and based on feedback from them, um, I'm going to be doing a presentation on autism, teaching PE to students with autism, because I don't think that anyone can ever have enough of that. Um, especially kind of looking at it from a little bit more outside of the box perspective, um, focusing on like functional lifetime skills and mini victories, like the little things that sometimes we get disappointed or like feel defeated when, when, you know, our student can't shoot 10 free throws using perfect form, you know, but they waited their turn to shoot those free throws. And you may have been working on that for six months, you know, so, um, so it's kind of, kind of simplifying things and showing what, Functional lifetime skills can be provided during adapted PE, you know, looking outside the box and, and focusing on, on stuff like that and providing resources like Exercise Buddy and, um, you know, using your collaborating with your related service providers. And so um, so it's kind of just focusing on autism as a whole, but in a little bit more innovative way of looking at things. I like, I like yeah. the idea that you're talking to about. Um, not just strategies, but maybe our expectations slash, um, you know, how the PE teacher might feel actually from, from working with the kids with disabilities. Yeah. Yeah. Cause as if we don't have our PE teachers on our side, you know, we're, we're we can't do our job. So, so, you know, I want to empower them and, and show them that, you know, you may not think that you're doing a lot, but look at what, you know, this student can now go into a coffee shop and wait their turn to get a cup of coffee or wait at a crosswalk across the street, you know, like these are things that they're learning in PE and, and across the school setting. So kind of highlighting those things and, and empowering and, and, you know, encouraging others to, to kind of take a part in that. Um, so then another one I'm doing is on um, transition, transitioning to an active life. 
Um, and this is something that kind of gets overlooked, you know, at, at the middle and high school level, you know, we're teaching our students, but how prepared are they to be physically active after school? You know, even in the summer, we know they go home and physical activity decreases, you know, so I, I really want to focus on establishing some programs and supplemental programs, um, facilitating some certain kinds of lessons that encourage these lifetime sports, you know, students interacting with lifetime sports and accessing their community, um, you know, things like that and kind of getting students outside of the gym. You know, we get so comfortable in our gym, but when they're high school students, really more of our instruction needs to be happening within the community, you know, at the bowling alley or um, at the shuffleball courts or, you know, things like that. So, so kind of focusing on community access and how to do that, you know, everyone will throw their hands up and say, oh, we don't have any money for that, but there are ways to make it happen. And there are other programs that you can implement maybe to work on vocational skills during, you know, school that can then translate into life after high school and, and still tie in that piece of being physically active. Have you have you had experience being an active member of the transition plan for, for your kids with disabilities? I have, um, but it, it takes some push to to get included in that. You know, a lot of times, you know, they'll say, well, adaptive PE is over, they're graduating or, you know, but that's actually a really, really good time to kind of step in and, and provide more information on what these students can do after school. And I, I remember I had a, a parent that we were doing a transition plan and she just said, I want my daughter to be a lady of leisure. And I said, all right. And I had to think about that, you know, because we have to teach leisure skills. I mean, we have to teach students how to access leisure activities. We have to teach ourselves to do it. I mean, goodness gracious, we need to take time, you know, do leisure activities and recreational activities. And, and we need to teach our students to do the same thing. Transition is a weird one to me because I don't think we're all too well included. However, uh, one of the major components is recreation and leisure activities. So it kind of feels like... It's kind of a no-brainer that we should be a major part of that conversation. Yeah. However, yeah. so, but with that, so now let's go kind of talk more about that community participation piece you were talking about. I'm so, I, what, what are you doing um, to get them involved? Like, like specifically, what are some programs that you have as well as, um, we'll, we'll start with that one. Um, we have done, we, we've developed a couple programs, um, one was we were looking at, um, we were teaching bowling and we were working really hard to teach that to our students. And, you know, then we were planning on going to the bowling alley and, you know, paying for their way and, and kind of doing all the legwork, which was great. And it was an awesome experience. But then when we got back to the school, we realized, you know, what, what are they going to do after they graduate? So how can they access that? So then we started looking at maybe they'll be able to ride a bike. Because if they don't have driver's licenses, how can they, you know, can they access a bus, the bus line and read a bus schedule? And so we started incorporating things like uh, reading a bus map and learning what times the buses come, uh, how to ride a bike, learning how to check the tires and how to put a helmet on, you know, how to ride a bike safely to access, you know, your bowling alley or wherever you're going. Um, so we've kind of looked at it. Not only how we can get them there, but how they can also do it outside of a school setting. Um, and then as far as funds go, you know, you'd be amazed at how many people will donate or, you know, just they're, they're willing to give some money 
if it's for a good cause. And if you can, you know, you can say that, tell them what you're doing. I mean, there are not a lot of people that are going to say that, you know, they don't want to support it. So I think donations we worked a lot off of. Um, and we also raised our own money. We did a, you know, fundraiser, dodgeball fundraiser every year and made money off of that. And we had t-shirts that we sold and, you know, so we were kind of, it was almost like a business, really just this business model that had funds coming in then funds going out to help our students do what, what they deserve to be doing. And then what, what are you getting them involved in, um, uh, like specifically after high school, after even that, you know, post-secondary area, are they, are they getting involved in sports recreation? Are they getting involved in, uh, like leisure activities, like just kind of for fun? Um, are they doing fitness things? Are they going to gyms? It's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. And, and another thing that, um, I didn't mention earlier is getting the parents involved because that is the, if you do not have a parent that, you know, that, that wants to do anything, it's going to be really, really hard to get their, their child there. So we involve the parents and kind of encourage them to, to assist where, where they can. But, um, but yeah, they're, they're accessing pretty much everything. Um, you know, going into the weight room or, you know, if they're working with a, a cap worker or something after school, um, accessing golf courses and, you know, knowing how to be properly dressed to do that, driving range, um, going fishing, you know, they're, they're, they're doing all sorts of different things. It's hard to teach all of those things, but, but you can teach them how to access those things. So I think that's, that's a big focus is, you know, we may not pull out fishing poles and, and teach them how to fish in the middle of, of adaptive PE, but we can teach them about fishing and how to, how to get there and what they need and, and what they should be doing when they're there. So, um, so I think just kind of exposing them to things like that, disc golf, you know, playing Frisbee golf is a new, you know, up and coming thing and, um, teaching them where the courses are and, and all that good stuff. So, so they're kind of all over the place, really accessing, you know, fitness and, uh, lifetime sports and leisure activities. Even we even teach them how to hang a hammock you know, how to hang a hammock and then just get in it. And even if they're only in it for 30 seconds, you know, at least they know that that's a leisure activity. That may be something that, that they'll enjoy. Thank you very much. I, I, I'm also very passionate about transition. We're, you're talking about some things that I think need to get talked about because transition is uh-huh. another area that. All right. So that was Laura Brickhouse speaking about what she was presenting at, at the Dayton conference. Uh, so now we're going to move on to the other uh, keynote speaker, Dr. Susanna Dillon, who is my dissertation chair and works at Texas Women's University. Uh, she speaks a little bit about what she was going to talk about with as far as uh, technology and evidence-based practices uh, and some really awesome stuff. So with that, um, take a listen and enjoy. I want you just to briefly talk about um, who you are, why you're coming to DAPE, and then a quick run through on your presentation and and why somebody should come and what they'll learn. Okay. Well, who I am is Dr. Susanna Rocco Dillon, and I am a associate professor of adapted physical education and adapted physical activity at Texas Women's University. I'm also the president of the National Consortium for Physical Education for Individuals with Disabilities. And at the end of the day, I'm also a practitioner at heart. So I am hopefully going to be able to share with the folks at the Minnesota DAPE conference some insights about 
how to use and integrate technology into adapted physical activity programming, as well as talk with them a little bit about uh, evidence-based practices for adapted physical educators. Very nice. All right, everyone. Thanks a ton for listening about the DAPE conference and the DAPE leadership. I hope you enjoyed those two podcasts. Um, so I'm hoping to get a few more out soon. I have some ideas and topics and a few panelists, but I do need uh, some more panelists. I need one on the topic of transition. And uh, if you know of any topics, please email me and maybe we can set up a podcast on a certain topic. So let me know and uh, take care. Thank you.